everyone. How's it going? Welcome back to the Infatuation Podcast. Hope you're doing great out there. We are talking about a new book today. I just finished. It's called Upcountry. It is hot off the presses. In fact, uh, this podcast will be coming out November 7th, which happens to be the launch date of this book. So by the time you're listening to this, you'll be able to get this book pretty much anywhere. You know where you can get books. We are fortunate enough to be speaking to the author of Upcountry today, Chin Sun Lee. Hey, Chin Sun, how are you? Hey, Curtis. I'm really good. Thank you. I'm so pleased to be here because I'm a big fan of your podcast. <laughs> oh, wow. Thanks. Yeah, no, mutual fans here. We, I, <laughs> I liked your book a lot, too. Uh, where are you calling in from today? I'm in New Orleans, ah. Yeah, where it's still summer. <laughs> yeah, I, I notice you don't have any sleeves on right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, we had this little blip, you know, about two weeks ago where the temps dropped below 70. And that was so lovely. Um, and, you, and you thought fall was here, but uh... <laughs> yeah, and you know, but no. Um, but I think by the end of this week, we're finally going to dip back down, which I can't wait. All right. Yeah. So New Orleans, you know, funny story. I, I, I don't know much about this part of my family's history, but apparently my mom's dad, when he came to America, ended up in Mississippi for a little bit. And yeah. I'm not sure what he was. He was a restaurateur later in life, but I'm not sure what he was doing down there. But I think a lot of the Asians ended up there for the fishing industry. Is that kind of like yeah, shrimping? Yeah, shrimping, exactly. Yeah. In, in the sort of West Bank. Um, and that that industry is, you know, being threatened actually right now just mm. because, you know, what's happening with the coastline. Um, yeah. And I think also the younger generation, a lot of them are leaving because, you know, they don't want to do what their it's parents hard do. work. Yeah. 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 So I got to figure out, I got to find out what he was doing down there. Must have been the <laughs> 1920s. Yeah. A really long time ago. So You know, I've heard that um, around that era, there was like, a, a you know, quite a big Chinese population. Um, mm. And um, I don't know where they all went. You know, I don't know why they didn't want to stick around. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the weather is kind of tropical, like, you know, like uh, Southern China. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Huh. Yeah. Hey, do you mind if we uh, dig into your roots a little bit? No, let's dig away. All right, warning everyone out there. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a bad joke right now. So uh, we know that Chin Sun's in the South right now, but it turns out her parents are from the North, <laughs> North Korea. That is. <laughs> Sorry, that was bad. But uh, yes, yeah, so both of your parents uh, uh, fled North Korea in the what year was that that they fled from the North? Um, well, it was in the 50s. It was around shortly after you know the Korean War broke out. Um, they were both very young, and um, you know my mom actually fled just with her brother and cousin to Seoul. Mm. Um, and she left behind her parents um, and she never saw them again, actually, which is, you know, yeah, really, really yeah. sad. Um, my father, um, you know, he, yeah, he was not as um, isolated or separated from his family um, thereafter, but you know, obviously it's, it's a traumatic thing to happen. And um, yeah, my mother, she never would talk about it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but I, as children, you know, when you talk about like intergenerational trauma, um, it's, it definitely applies in this case, because even if you don't know the facts of what happened to your parents, you know, you can sense that there's something deeply, you know, um, mm -hmm. 
wounding, you know, in their in their history. Um, and you know, if you love your parents, which most children do, you know, you can't help but be affected by this sense of like invisible loss, almost. Sure. You know? Yeah. 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 I know. I don't know if this is rooted in fact, but I, for some reason, I feel like I had heard that at one point there was talks about trying to, you know, have have some meetups or reunion reunions somehow. I wouldn't help your parents at this point, but you know, there was talk about families being able to meet each other through a fence at least or something. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, sometime I remember in the eighties, my parents did um, receive some kind of uh, a visa or, or temporary permit to go visit, um, you know, North Korea. Oh, and they did. Um, and my mother was able. It's, it was mostly for my mother, you know, because I think my uh-huh. my father's family by then had all, you know, immigrated um, out of North Korea. But um, she managed to find um, her mother's like. Uh, second family, because uh, you know, back uh, in those days, um, right. men had yeah, yeah. multiple families. Um, my uh, maternal grandfather apparently had you know little side family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> sadly, you know, and then you know, and the wives then too often got along. You know, it wasn't like a rivalry. So you know, her mother um, chose to sort of stay behind and help you know the second family, um, and it's really sad because. By the time my mother was able to find them and find out what happened to her, um, you know, her mother, uh, her natural mother had passed like maybe four or five years before uh, she was able to go. So, yeah, uh, deeply, deeply sad. Yeah, so. yeah. Hmm. Well, that's fascinating, though. Yeah. Do you have any desire to go to North Korea at some point if you can? I do. I mean, I'm fascinated by it, you know. Um, it's, it's really unsettling. Um, this is probably because I, I definitely have a – a creepy bent, you know, <laughs> from the novel. But whenever I see the propaganda videos of North Korea and it just how, I mean, fascism is so, um, you know, like uniform um, and uh, almost robotic, you know, in, in how they're supposed to behave. Um, I've seen uh, clips of, you know, just how they, they, they'll show like a department store, you know, opening up, which yeah. is, actually not functioning, but just for the sake of, yeah, you know, yeah. you know have these I don't know, the whole thing fascinates me, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. I'd love to go, but I, I, you know, obviously wouldn't want to go and get stuck there. So, <laughs> right, right. And, and they just show you a very kind of sterile view, probably you only get to see certain mm-hmm. things. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah. still be interesting. But yeah. so where, where were you born? Were you born in South Korea? No, I wasn't. Um, so when I was born, my father worked for um, the South Korean Foreign Consulate. Um, he was a diplomat. He, he traveled to a lot of different places um, around Southeast Asia and you know Europe and even eventually the United States. But um, they were in Cambodia when I was born. Oh. So yeah, <laughs> I was born in Phnom Penh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> then uh, you moved to America, obviously. <laughs> what state did you end up? Yeah. So after Cambodia, then my family went back to Seoul. And then my father was um, had an assignment in Los Angeles. Um, this is around like 1970. And so I don't, you know, recall much of my life for, um, you know, growing up in LA. And I remember distinctly not 
knowing how to speak English, you know, um, <laughs> and I had to be tutored, I think, you know, after like kindergarten with a certain teacher. Um, but it's interesting because I, I actually do remember the challenge of having like language suddenly makes sense to me, you know, mm-hmm. and in a weird way, I think it, it was the seed of my fascination with language in general and the idea of how do you articulate, you know what I mean? Something that you're feeling inside, like yeah. through words. Uh-huh, you know? uh-huh. So that was the seed of being an author, but that's not what you said. You didn't study to be a writer in college. What did you study in college? So at this time, like when I was thinking about colleges, which is probably like around the early to mid eighties, um, fashion was just really, you know, like exploding. (laughs) Um, and you know, I like clothes. I was a girl. (laughs) So (laughs) it just seemed a more pragmatic thing to do. And I I just, I really want to get out of the house, you know, Uh (laughs) you know, my upbringing was totally fine, but it was very traditional and, and, um, you know, the, yeah. Classic like Asian protective parents sort of hovering and wanting to make sure everything, you know, like all your moves are, you know, under their jurisdiction. And I didn't want that. So my my main goal was just to like be independent and get out, you know. Uh-huh. And, and so um that's why I went into fashion. Um and it was it was a really good career for a long time, mm-hmm. but um it never in terms of a creative, you know, fulfillment. But I also needed to make a living in New York right. is expensive, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah. So um, I think, you know, I, oh, and I actually, I had taken, I remember I took a writing course at NYU, I think when I was in my late 20s. Um, and uh, the, the instructor was really discouraging, not just to me, but to the whole class. <laughs> oh, wow. I think she was one of those. Frustrated. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, um, I, I, so I dropped out like after the second week and it's so stupid now, you know, because (laughs) you should never let those things, you know, affect you that deeply, but, um, it really kind of shook my confidence and I was not able to, um, get back into it until I was 40, you know, Mm -hmm. and then I decided, you know, various things have had happened, um, primarily a really good friend of mine who was, um, quite young, like you know, in her mid thirties, unfortunately was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and she eventually passed. And it was sort of like this big wake up call for me to, Mm. you know, realize like life is super short and I might as well try to do something that I I actually really, really want to do. All right. So that leads us to just about today or maybe a couple of years ago, you're writing your first novel, your debut novel, yeah. Uh, upcountry, and so you were named to one of poet and writers five over fifty. So I'm guessing they couldn't get fifty over fifty. So <laughs> they, they could only get five. Yeah, that's not that common, I guess. People over fifty writing well, the first. Yeah. So so their five over fifty encompasses basically fifty all the way to hundred, if you'd like. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there's not going to be like a six over sixty, or you know. Um, <laughs> I think it's just yeah, yeah. I, I suppose once you get over fifty, you've just you've earned you know <laughs> the right yeah. to be a slot. Okay. But um, I guess it is a little more rare, yeah, to have debut authors. Over yeah. 50. I mean, there are more than you would think um sure. that particular program now has been um i think about four years you know um that they've um cited and honored debut authors over 50 so um there are more of us than than you would imagine you uh-huh. know um there's like 
off the top of my head. I mean, uh, my friend Megan Colhane Galbraith was um, one of them two years ago. Sorry, Botten. Um, and then there's like older writers like Laura Spence Ash, you know, and Chelsea G. Summers. You know, there, there are a lot of us who, you know, debuted past our quote prime or in our prime rather. <laughs> Just a little later, a little later. In yeah, life, yeah. 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 I believe you. No, I didn't plan it this way. Sure. <laughs> it just <kind> of <laughs> yeah, but you're doing it, you know, like you said, there's, there's, not unlimited time for most of us, right? So yeah. it's good yeah. that you, you're taking the risk, but you're doing it. You know, it's fun. I know, I am. I am, and I mean, I'm, I'm just grateful. You know, yeah. it's funny because I started seriously writing around, you know, or, or being interested in writing at, at the age of forty, and I remember thinking, like, I have to publish by fifty. You know, what I mean, or I'll just crawl into a cave, you know, and be miserable. <laughs> um, and if you'd told me back then that it would take almost another decade. I, I, yeah, I just would have been like, Oh, my God, yeah. but um, it takes the time that it takes, you know, yeah. and, yeah. Uh, I'm, you know, I've met so many wonderful people throughout this process and this journey of switching careers and becoming a writer. So, you know, and I'm, I'm just super grateful that I have a book out now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that book. <laughs> the book we're talking yeah. about is Upcountry. Uh, such a great read. I remember um, you you messaged me, what, maybe end of September. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm a slow reader and, <laughs> uh, you know, distracted. Like right now, I think I have four or five. I have, on the sofa, I have books uh, on the head there where I have four or five books with bookmarks. <laughs> you know how it goes. But I have to say, upcountry, maybe four or five days. You know, it's, a, it's a page turn. Yeah. Wow. I am deeply flattered. Super oh my God. fun. Yeah. No, I'm, wow. glad, I'm glad you reached out. And I, I know the book takes place over several years. The plot takes place over several, well, one or two years. Yeah. But I feel like fall is a perfect time. I don't know if there's seasons with releases, but I, I felt like fall was a perfect time to release this because the oh, book- yeah. It kind of starts out kind of warm and, and sunny, and then it kind of gets cooler and darker and colder, And um, even yeah. though it takes more than one season. But uh, yeah, I think it's a good time to release this book. How do you feel about it? Oh, definitely. And um, I think my publisher also, you know, um, had in mind a fall release because um, there are definitely gothic elements in this sure, book. So, yeah. you know, it's good for this Halloween spooky season. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> dark, a little dark. Yeah. A little dark. Let's see. Could you give us a quick, we're going we're gonna to give you a spoiler alert, everyone, in a minute. But before we do that, let me give you a little... Let, we'll have Chin Sun give you a quick little summary, no spoiler summary, and I'll give you my little take on it too. So give me a elevator pitch for the summary of this book here. So Upcountry is a psychological thriller about three women from very different socioeconomic backgrounds um, and their lives intersect um, through a series of coincidences and catastrophes in a very small mm -hmm. Catskills town. Mm -hmm. um, the novel is set shortly after the housing crisis and recession of 2008. So a lot of the themes have to deal with um, economic disparity, class, you know, distinctions, mm -hmm. um, and how like the mysteries of luck and fate play into these women's lives. Mm -hmm. And mostly for me, it's about their resilience, you know, through mm -hmm. um, all of their respective challenges and 
how they connect to each other despite their differences. So yeah. um, two of the women are in their mid forties, they're older um, and they're white. Um, there's April who is a sort of a very poor single mother um, who is a, an established resident of this town. And she's forced to sell her home um, in foreclosure to Claire, who is, um, you know, a little bit more privileged. She's a Manhattan transplant and an attorney. And she and her husband, you know, are like recent, recently uh, moved into this town. And then there is Anna, who is much younger. She's in her early 20s and she is a Korean American. Um, she's an adoptee and also a member of uh, like a local religious cult in the town. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so she attracts the sort of fascination or romantic attention of Claire's husband. And that scandal kind of has a ripple effect, you know, throughout the novel, like everything. It's pretty much the inciting event and it happens early on um, from which all the other events in the novel basically kind of spiral. So, yeah. 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 All right. We'll, we'll get into it a little more after the spoiler alert, but I'll give you my take. I, I think if you like everyone out there, if you like kind of moody stories, well-defined characters with super complicated intertwined relationships, I, I love it when there's connections, you know, uh, uh, you know, coincidental or purposeful, but I, I love it when there's kind of complicated interactions, people in between other people and it also, you know, it's a little bit of escapism if you are from the big city and you and you like small town life. I think that's another real real reason to read this book. It kind of takes you outside of the city a little bit into maybe a world that I don't know. You know, the Catskills is a, is a place I've never been. So, yeah. So those are kind of uh, some reasons you might want to read it. Uh, we're going hardcover and Kindle for now, right? Is that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And um, yeah. We'll so see. You, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but you can get it. You can get it right now. As I as I know, as, as if the future goes as it's planned, <laughs> on November 7th, you'll be able to get this book pretty much anywhere. So go grab a warm beverage, a cozy blanket, and curl up somewhere and, and read this book. I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, so we're going to talk about the plot a little bit. So you can stick around if you like, everyone. But if you don't want us to spoil it, now we're not going to give away the ending and we're not going to give away, you know, a lot of the things. But, you know, we're going to talk about the plot a little bit. So if you want to go grab the book first and read it and hit pause and come back when you're done reading, you're welcome to do that. But uh, let's see. I... I normally play a song to kind of give people a chance to get away from their devices. And I couldn't remember any songs in the book, but you mentioned, who was it, April's <laughs> listening to Steely Dan? Yeah. Um, early in, I think, chapter one, April is listening to Steely Dan. And I don't identify a song in the book, but I'll I'll toss out one now. Okay. Which is, uh, do it again. <laughs> okay, so we'll, oh yeah. yeah, that makes sense. So yeah. <laughs> we'll play a little Do It Again by Steely Dan. And when the song is over, you better go away if you don't want to hear spoilers. But if you want to stick around, you're welcome to do that too. All right, 
And we are back. We're going to be talking about Upcountry, which is Chin Sun Lee's first book, debut novel. You mentioned it a second ago, but it's basically a character-driven novel, yeah. right? So yeah. then there's three main women, uh, all from all who end up in this town called Caliban, New York. Uh, who would you like to discuss first? Well, um, let's go with Anna, you know? Okay. She's, she's the lone Asian character, and we're on Infatuation. Right. <laughs> and I am right. Asian, and you are. So, hey, <laughs> let's, yeah, let's prop up our, our Asian character. Yeah, let's talk about Anna. Fascinating character. One of the more interesting ones, I thought, of the of the novel. She, so, you said young 20s, Korean adoptee. So, she's never, doesn't remember living in Korea. Brought yeah. to New York as a baby, I'm assuming. Uh, adopted by a Korean man and a Caucasian woman in New York. Mm-hmm. Now, were they in the city at first and then moved to the country, or were they always kind of in the country, the family? So her adoptive parents, um, they have a history of prior to being part of the Eternals. And the Eternals, I see, is not just in, isolated in one town, but mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're like Mennonites, you know, they're they're mm-hmm. spread throughout. They initially were Moonies. Um, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. My I, I, I had her adoptive father be Korean and her adoptive mother, you know, be white is that Reverend Moon oftentimes would encourage uh, interracial marriages, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I just found I mean, I find the whole Mooney phenomenon. It's so fascinating. <laughs> but uh, I liked having that, you know, as sort of the precursor, you know, obviously her adoptive parents were prone towards um, indoctrination of strict mm. religious practices. And then um, what uh, happens is, you know, once Anna married her husband, Luke, um, they wanted to send this couple, um, especially once she became, you know, pregnant with her first child, to sort of like grow, you know, a, a smaller mm. community of Eternals in the fictional uh, town of Caliban. Yeah, yeah. And it was semi, it's kind of a semi arranged marriage kind of thing. Sword. Well, the yeah. first guy didn't work out. The first guy. <laughs> no. <laughs> thank goodness. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Thank goodness for her. I mean, it in a way they they definitely have you know arranged marriages, but in in this case, because Anna did not at all want to marry the first choice, um, Luke was someone that she'd known almost like a brother. You right. Know what I mean? Right. They all grew up kind of communally and. Um, I think that she was so relieved, you know, to to have at least someone that she trusted and was comfortable with as her husband. But she does like him. She likes him a lot. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. and I think you know towards the end that a genuine love, you know, is there. Sure. Um, yeah. It, it does grow, you know, yeah. which it can happen, thankfully. And and you describe her. I think several times you describe her as being plain, like not. We're not thinking of K-pop idols here. We're not thinking of... No, because... And, you know, who knows? Like, hey, if my film agent manages to option this, I'm totally (laughs) happy with a a beautiful Korean young woman. Sure, (laughs) yeah, but... Um, I think that tends to be kind of the stereotype oftentimes, you Mm -hmm. know, like when you see... You know, an Asian woman, um, especially uh, a young Asian woman... um, they tend to be pretty, you know, there's that stereotype uh, that our value actually is based on, you know, our, our quote, attractiveness. So yeah. I, I didn't want, I wanted, she's not unattractive, but mm-hmm. she's just, she's more plain, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but she stands out because this town does not have a lot of Korean women. 
No, there, there's there's not a lot of Asians, um, and also because she's an Eternal, and mm-hmm. the Eternals in, in the novel dress, you know, very sort of old world, you know, yeah. like Amish or the Mennonites do, sure, you know, yeah. those long gowns, and um, uh, and in the beginning of the novel, she's hugely pregnant, so mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. also makes her stand out. Yeah, but she catches the eye of Sebastian who yeah. is married to Claire. So he just goes to town. She works at a cafe and and he goes in there all the time. And so she catches his eye and, and we don't know what would have turned out, you know, if they had a longer relationship, but they have kind of a short, short interaction. Yeah. But, it's not even, it's not even, you know, full on affair. Not you know? really at all. Um, yeah. He has more, I think, obviously kind of, maybe predatory intentions, but um, I think she's just, she's very innocent. She's extremely unworldly. And for her, it's more like, it's, it's almost like she, she couldn't even probably describe to you what she's feeling. Um, Mm. Definitely. There is, I think a fascination with him, you know, Um, even a romantic interest, but I don't think that she would be able to, it's very inchoate. I don't think she would even articulate that. No, I agree. Yeah. So very naive, very simple, very honest. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, of the three, my favorite character was Anna. <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah. Sure. So it's funny, Curtis, you know, she, okay. Initially my first draft of this novel, um, the character was white. Mm. Like, yeah, I, and I think um, it's so funny because for some reason I had this other, you know, which is my second novel that I've just drafted. Um, that was going to be my Korean novel. Right. Mm -hmm. So very stupidly, for some reason in my head, I was like, Oh, I'm not going to have an Asian character here because I'm going to save that, you know? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, once I started querying, um, you know, I wasn't getting, I was getting a lot of full manuscript requests, but it just, I wasn't getting an agent. And I, I remember at one point I sort of facetiously said to a friend, like, I think it's because my name is so Asian. Mm-hmm. And so when agents are reading this manuscript, they're waiting, you know, for the Asian <laughs> character that never uh, materializes. Uh, um, I bring this up because, you know, frankly, tokenism still exists, sure, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I almost like, jokingly you know said i'm gonna make anna asian Hmm. um (laughs) Hmm. and around this time actually is when agents started to send me offers or or like be more interested and i remember um my agent you know the, the who ended up being my agent i brought this up to her in our first conversation and to her credit she was never someone who was like oh no no yeah you should do that she just was sort of like huh well that could be interesting you know so Mm -hmm. um I I revised it and and as I kept drafting, you know, through different versions, she became much more um, important and complex in the novel, yeah. and um, and I'm glad for it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's a good story. That's a good anecdote. <laughs> All right, so I think maybe next we'll talk about Claire. Oh, Claire. Okay. Oh, Claire. You know, <laughs> and, Claire. you know, I don't dislike any of these characters. She she may be the more dislikable of the three. But, yeah. but you wrote her in a way where we can see the struggle, you know, of mm-hmm. just she's not a bad person, but she does bad things. And, you know, she reacts. She's very reactive. Yeah. yeah. She was, she was for me, actually, one of the more um, 
interesting and, and kind of fun characters to, to write into because it was a challenge. Like I knew she was prickly and I wanted her to be that way. Like I wanted to challenge myself to examine, can I make this person who has some annoying qualities, you know, um, sympathetic in a way, you know, can mm-hmm. I, um, cause I, I think a lot of people in real life who are problematic or, or act a certain way. They're, they're deep issues that they're dealing with inside, you know, and in real life, I don't have the patience to interact with them, (laughs) but in fiction, it's fascinating, you know, kind of to dig in and um, sort of examine, uh, you know, what, what makes her tick this way. And she changes, you know, I mean, all of the women have their own arc throughout the novel and they all do change, you know, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So she's married to Sebastian. How long were they married? Do you th- do you reckon? Sebastian. Yeah. Um, I think it's seventeen years. That um, oh. yeah, they've been together, uh, married seventeen years, and you know, probably together for like nineteen, twenty, so half their lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he's he's kind of a, a talented but struggling artist. Mm-hmm. He had potential at one point and kind of fizzled out. Yeah, a lot of um, his story, you know, because he's he's very present in, in the first chapter, and then he's more of a sort of shadow presence throughout the rest of mm-hmm. it. But one of the more abstract concepts of this novel that's so interesting to me and still is 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 the whole issue of luck and fate. You know how mm. luck plays into your life. Sure. And he is a very talented artist, you know. But two things: one is his own temperament. I think is is self destructive. He doesn't help himself. Mm. You know. Um, and luck is a real thing. You know? It is, and yeah. It is. And I I can relate in some ways, and I have friends um, who can certainly relate. Success doesn't always come from your talent or even hard work. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are really amazing and just they're not lucky. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's the one thing that you can't control. You can't you just control can't. it. Yeah. yeah. And it can be extremely devastating, you know, for people who, who don't have that luck, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So they were in Manhattan and they had a, a little apartment in Manhattan. And then I think they decide, you know, for your art career, it might be good to go out to the country and you know, slow down a little bit. So yeah. we're saying two hours away from Manhattan. How, how far is Caliban from Manhattan? Um, it's about, I'd say more like Three and okay. a half hours, you know, so, like driving. Um, it's like a two and a half hour okay. train. So you you can't you can't do a daily commute from Caliban to Manhattan. No, I mean people do. Shockingly, really? okay, yeah, oh yeah, people do. I, I think it's crazy, you know. But no, um, so yeah, in the novel, while Sebastian is sort of watching the renovation, yeah. you know, and lives there initially, Claire is commuting, you know, yeah. like just coming up to the country on the weekends. Weekends, yeah. And so she she actually has roots in Caliban. Her mm-hmm. uncle and aunt, her like her parents are, are gone. Yeah, is that? Yeah. Well, her mother passed of um, ovarian cancer. Uh-huh. You know, when Claire was in her late twenties, so, you know, several years uh, prior, and then her father remarried. Well, they divorced, you know, when she was a child, okay. but her father has a separate family and okay, he's so not in her life. Out yeah. of the picture. So, yeah. so her kind of de facto parents are her uncle and aunt yeah. that live in Caliban. And so yeah. we, we find out that she actually was up there as a kid often mm-hmm. and actually bumped into April, the other character we'll uh-huh. talk about in a second. So they were, they were kind of childhood 
acquaintances. So yes. that's kind of the tie to the town. So she ends up buying April's family's house and mm-hmm. for dirt cheap because of the recession. Yeah. So she got a bargain on it and, and she and Sebastian moved there. But Sebastian's living there full time and she's there on only on weekends. Yeah. So, and all okay. that happens in the first chapter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that a lot of so this backstory is not not really spoilery. So she's a lawyer by trade. I, I, it seems like she's not really thriving as a lawyer. Like she's kind of surviving as a as a lawyer, but not a partner on not on a partner track or no. anything. No, and you know um, she too, you know, went into that profession a little bit later than her peers. Mm. Uh, and, you know, again, because of the recession, it, it didn't just affect, you know, like one industry. Um, mm. A lot of people were being laid off. So, um, you know, she was one of them. And uh, later on, she basically can only get work as a paralegal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So they got their own problems. <laughs> <laughs> and then that brings us to April, April Ives, who is... Related to the one of the founding families of of Caliban, mm-hmm. so generations, yeah. hundred years, yeah. couple hundred years, or hundred fifty years. Yeah, I think I'd around. say something like that. Yeah, That's a few so. generations in. Um, the family name was the Tremaine, you know, and um, you know those things still do matter. Sure, up there. Sure. Yeah. And her grandfather, grandfather built the house that Claire mm-hmm. bought. Okay, so she she ends up kind of distress selling. Yeah. Oh, great grandfather. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So she ends up dis- distress selling this house like she has no other options. She needs some yeah. money. So it's a little rundown, you know, 100 years old or so and and so Claire and Sebastian snatch it up as as a bargain. Kind of Claire's uncle grabs it kind of cuz they were family mm-hmm. yeah. friends. So it's a little bit of a wait a minute, a little bait and switch there on the buyer right. situation. But April, yeah, you know another another character that I like. She's got her problems. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. She's single mom. She's got a teenage daughter. She have three kids or two kids. She has three kids. Um, the two girls, and they're they're from uh, two different fathers. Yeah. So two uh, older ones at the beginning of the book, I think, are about like sixteen and twelve. Mm-hmm. And then she has her son, who's about eight at the beginning of the novel, and he um, is basically. Um, a product of a relationship with uh, Eli, who is half um, Native American. Um, and, you know, he's got his own problems. He's got his <laughs> own problems, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's a little in and Everyone out of the... problems. <laughs> you know what? That, that makes life interesting, I think. Well, it makes novels interesting, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I hope it's not a total downer, you know, because no, the thing no. is, I do think it is propulsive, at least, you know? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they kind of get thrown together in this town in a way. You know, Anna's working at the Anna's working at the cafe. Claire and Sebastian are kind of fixing up this house and Claire's commuting. And then April's from the town but can't get herself to leave. So she sells the family house, kind of shamefully sells the family's house, but but moves like two blocks away or you know, like a little rundown yeah, apartment. Like, like- Maybe like a couple miles. Yeah. Okay, a couple miles away. Yeah. So it's kind of like, oh man, I gotta watch sh- for both yeah. sides, right? Claire has to has to have April poking around as she's kind of sad about losing her house, and then April has to look at Claire living in her family's yeah. house. So it's a little tension there. And then, but one way or another, they all bump into each other and they all kind of get to know each other. I, I would say, I I think you probably think this way too that. The town itself is kind of like a character, like one of the main characters. Um, yeah. 
the town and and the house you know april's house is also definitely absolutely right yeah do, do you believe in curses or jinxes? Like, because once she moves into this house, so many bad things start to happen. Are, are you superstitious at all as a person? You know, it's interesting. Um, I don't subscribe. I'm not, I don't think I'm very superstitious, but I do believe in um, places, houses, um, absorbing, you know, um, um violence and corruption and suffering you know I, I i do believe like and i don't mean it in a new agey way but it's sort of almost um like in a physics sort of way you know um we shed things you know mm-hmm. we, we um our actions reverberate you, yeah, you know yeah um and so and i think especially places of of suffering or violence, you know, there is a sort of weird haunting that can mm-hmm. occur. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a actual ooh, ghost, you know, but um there's a feeling. So yeah, I um I do believe that places can feel dark, you know, mm-hmm. when their histories um are troubled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the house also happens to be fairly close to the Eternals compound. Yeah. Which, uh, <laughs> yeah, how would you describe it? So they're Christian-based or Bible-based. So they practice a very archaic form of Christianity, which um, is similar to Judaism, you know, um, mm. like the Old Testament is, is what okay. they study, you know, um, that's the scripture that they refer to. But um i made up a lot you know a lot of stuff too. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> very controlling very uh conservative in so mm-hmm. many ways behavior and you know patriarchal very, very patriarchal yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so so anna does her anna does her best to fit in and, and follow the rules but you know things happen and so it's a huge part of the story is kind of their relationship with uh with the eternals um so we're not going to spoil the plot, but we, we get into just a bunch of things happening. And like you said, early on, like chapter one or two, there's, you know, the dominoes start to fall and then things just spiral. It's kind of like Breaking Bad in a way, you know, things, once things go bad, they start getting bad upon bad. And a lot of vulnerability in this, in this book, a lot of people yeah. with a lot to lose. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you know, really, there my my central characters are all women, um, mm-hmm. and so there's specific issues related to women, um, and there are issues that women, you know, over forty, I think, you know, could resonate um, a lot more with. And then there's also Anna, who is much younger. But mm-hmm. I really wanted to write a novel about women, you know, of a certain age and women who are struggling for mm-hmm. for various reasons. Because I think that society tends to like dismiss or erase women above a certain age. You know, mm-hmm. um, I know that most readers, on the other hand, fit into that demographic. That's true. Right? That's women true, in their yeah. you know over forty, and so it seems like a really bizarre thing, you know, not to um, write mm. a story, you know, that a, a big readership potentially, you know, can relate to. So mm-hmm. yeah. 
And, you know, we got problems, Curtis. <laughs> yeah, you know, hey, hey, guys have problems, too. <laughs> I know. Yes, we do. <laughs> we but, yeah, do. no, people over 40, we exist, and we have problems. <laughs> uh, so, without spoiling the ending, did you have... Did you have other ideas of how I, I like the ending? I thought it worked. Uh, it was satisfying to me. Did you have other ideas when you're writing this? It's so interesting. I mean, in a way, it's hard to remember what I was thinking. Uh, you know, this, <laughs> yeah. I wrote it, I finished it back in 2018, but oh, wow. uh, uh. I kind of always knew that um, what happens, you know, with April in the house would resolve itself in the way that it did, right? Okay, yeah. Um, but it's funny, um, as I was writing towards the end, I knew that, but I didn't know how it would happen. And the, seriously, one of the biggest joys of writing is when you're really in the zone um, and somehow like, boom, you know, like a thought actually comes to you. It's like a gift from the universe. Mm -hmm. It truly is. And I remember that last scene, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. With the whiskey, you know, I was like, uh -huh. oh, it just came to me. And it was... I, I would I I personally love that ending, you know. Um it was it anchored me and then I knew what to write towards. Uh. But um when I was talking to editors, you know, um once the novel um had a couple of offers, the my my editor uh, at Unnamed was actually the last person that I had a discussion with. And I really loved that press. I was really like, oh my God, you know, like this mm. would be awesome. But then he said something about the ending and my heart just kind of sank because I was like, oh, no. And then as we talked more, he's like, oh, no, but I love the very, you know, very uh -huh. end. Just like initially the way that things happened were just a little bit, quote, tidier and, and maybe more definitively happier. And what uh -huh. he wanted was this question mark. Is it a happy ending? Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. And so I was, I was hugely relieved. And also I could totally see, you know, how his suggestions would in fact make the novel a lot more interesting and complex. Mm, okay. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, everyone out there, you can go get the copy of this book. Of course, we like to recommend people go to their local independent bookstores. You got a favorite local indie in New Orleans? Oh my God. There's so many. Um, well, Octavia Books is actually um, hosting my launch here, so uh -huh. I got to shout out. Um, and and they're 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 like maybe one of the bigger booksellers here. But there's like Blue Cypress Books, which is women owned, and that's it's awesome. Um, Baldwin Books here, that's really close to me. I live in the Marigny, and they um, promote uh, a lot of Black authors and readers, um, and Frenchmen Art and Books, and Garden District Books. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Lots of options out there. Yeah. So, yeah. you know where you can get this book, and I, I highly recommend that you do. Um, so, uh, Chen Sun, you survived our difficult questions. Are you ready for our lightning round? <laughs> Sure. Okay. I think. I mean, I don't know. I, I barely survived. The well, last no, you made it. You made it. We're still we're still breathing. So that that's all that counts. So if you had to go on a fifteen hour road trip with one of your characters, who would you go with? Oh, April for sure. She'd be the funnest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> She's got yeah. the tunes. She's got the jokes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking Frank. You know, it'd be a lot. It'd be a quiet ride. There would not be a lot of conversation. No, 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 no. But if the car wanna, broke I don't down. With Frank. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh I think we kind of mentioned this, but you got a favorite spot for Asian food in New Orleans? Um I'm trying um I love well there's a 
Japanese place called Tsunami. I mean, it's, it's a little pricey, but um, I, I love Japanese food. Um, and, you know, I want to try, there's a Korean place called Little Korea Barbecue that I, that's on my radar. Um, and Mr. Mao's is kind of like Pan-Asian fusion. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. I got to cut this on my list if I ever get down there. You've never been here, Curtis? I've never been to know oh, oh yeah. you gotta holler at me if that ever happens. okay yeah. yeah you know it's on the list for sure you know to be honest there's not a ton of places in the united states that i really want to go see but new orleans on the list for sure yeah yeah <laughs> all right and we like to end the show by asking our guests who their infatuation is infatuation is anyone in the asian community that you admire or has inspired you living or deceased could be someone you know could be someone you admire from afar so chin sun lee who is your infatuation wow man that's a hard question there's so many but like off the top of my head um min jin lee you uh -huh, know yeah um, because I mean, she's an amazing writer, you know, mm -hmm. Pachinko is just blew my mind. Um, also because she can do this thing that I, I can't do, which is the omniscient, you know, narrating voice. Mm. I, it's so hard for me to do and she does it seamlessly, but yeah. also just how she lifts up the Asian community. Um, mm. I met her briefly at a reading or not even, it wasn't a reading, it was a conversation that she had um, at Tulane University, maybe last winter. Um, uh -huh. Just uh, her social conscious, you know, mm -hmm. um, her um, activism, you know, um, I just, yeah, she seemed like a really real person, super smart, yeah. you know. And, and she's really uh, funny too. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. yeah. Her um, books are really serious, but she's hilarious herself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, again, I, I never had the honor of having a real conversation with her, but just the interviews I've listened to, mm -hmm. um, I, I, and, and she, she really genuinely, um, appreciates you know her her korean background and yeah. her culture um, yeah funny just just yesterday i saw that she edited the best short stories of 2023 yeah. yeah and so i reached out i i had reached out to her before about pachinko and her her publicist said no she's not doing interviews right now but if she ever releases something else let us know so i just yesterday uh, reached out to her and said, "Hey, you know, can we talk about short stories? You know, because I just want to talk to her." Yeah, <laughs> and they and the the publicist is so nice, that, but they said no. But they said, you know, we'll let you know. We'll keep you on our list. So hopefully, <laughs> fingers crossed, someday Min Jin Lee will be on the podcast. I'd love that. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. Great. I I definitely listen to that one. You know. All right, all right. <laughs> fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that I think that does it for episode number one hundred and two. Special thanks to our guest. Chin Sun Lee, thanks for giving us some of your time. Thank you so much, Curtis, for having me. It was such a pleasure, a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. What, we go on book tour. We're doing. What are we doing with the book? Um, I start book tour. So I, my launch is on the seventh here in New Orleans, um, and then I go to New York. I'm at Books Are Magic on um, the ninth. I'm in Hudson on the eleventh. You know, back in Brooklyn on the 13th and then there's a West Coast jaunt as well. All so, right. Yeah. You coming yeah. to San Francisco? Well, I'll be in Oakland. Oakland, on okay. The 19th. Yeah. Okay. I know that's a bit of a BART ride for you. A little so. bit. A little bit. We'll <laughs> yeah. see if we can make it work. That'd be fun. All right. I'll give you the details. Yeah. All right. Uh, and you guys, yeah. you have a, a second book coming out. It's already penned. It's already written. 
So it the first draft is written, okay. and I um, recently got feedback from my better readers. Um, I, I have work to do, but um, I won't be able to do that until all of this right. you know, is over. So sure. in December, hopefully, I'll, I'll be able to dig back into to okay. that one. So that something, yeah, something to look forward <laughs> to. So in the meanwhile, everyone, go get Upcountry. Take a look at that one. Uh, let's see. You can follow Chin Sun on Instagram at Scribble Post or go to her website at chinsunlee.com. And everyone out there, as I always mention, you can re- you can write to us at infatuationpodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at infatuationpodcast. I'll put all of our details in the show notes. But until we talk to you again, on behalf of Chin Sun and myself, we hope that you're all happy, healthy, and safe out there. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>